was a huge thing which I realized during the first three weeks in Kyiv under bombing that even if you have money, you can't buy anything. So the important thing is your social connections. LGBTQI people, women, feminists, you know, all those grassroots movements, they realize that the general things and the threats and they are trying to build new alliances, new coalitions, and that's that's the future. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. To this way out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Scotland says no to UK's gender reform obstruction. Florida lawmaker demonizes trans people, and Ukraine's Shevchenko builds coalitions under occupation. Those stories and more this week, because you've discovered this way out. I'm Alan Tihamel. And I'm Elena Botkin-Levy. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending April 15, 2023. Scotland will be challenging the UK's override of its gender recognition reform bill. Among other provisions, the measure makes it easier for trans people who are at least 16 years old to change their legal gender without medical intervention or court approval. The Scottish Parliament passed it by an overwhelming margin in December, with support from all major parties, but UK officials blocked it. Newly elected First Minister Hamza Yusuf formally announced his queer-friendly government's response on April 12th. The British government cited Section 35 of the Scotland Act for the first time since it was enacted a quarter century ago to block the legislation, apparently because it goes farther than existing law in the rest of the UK. Officials expressed specific concerns about guaranteeing women and girls safe access to sex-segregated public facilities, such as bathrooms and locker rooms. Yusuf condemned Britain's obstruction. In his words, if unchallenged, it sends a signal that the UK government can veto any legislation they disagree with at a whim. He said discussions are underway to determine the best way to legally overcome the override. The government of Conservative Party British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is expected to defend it vigorously. Scotland is part of the UK, but like Northern Ireland and Wales, has its own autonomous government with wide-ranging powers over functions such as healthcare. The conflict is adding fuel to Scotland's growing movement for full independence from the United Kingdom. Attorney General Andrew Bailey of the U.S. state of Missouri has lit his own firestorm with new guidelines that virtually outlaw gender-affirming health care for all transgender people, regardless of their age. All such care is considered experimental to Bailey, who has no medical training. The Republican politician defended his draconian action by calling it an effort to protect children and enforce the laws as written. Virtually every major U.S. queer or queer-supportive legal advocacy group is collaborating to oppose Bailey's directive. Lambda Legal, the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, the Human Rights Campaign, and GLBTQ advocates and defenders issued a rare joint press release on April 13th. It condemns 
the lawless action of Missouri's attorney general that should strike fear in the heart of every person who values individual liberty and believes that individuals, not government officials, should make health care decisions for their children and themselves. Bailey's outlandish obstacle course requires patients of all ages to complete 15-hour-long sessions with a mental health professional over the course of 18 months. They must be diagnosed with gender dysphoria for three most recent consecutive years before treatment is allowed, including puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and adult gender-affirming surgery. Transitioning patients are required to complete 15 years of follow-ups. Legal challenges to what one critic called Bailey's cruelty should be filed sometime soon. Another example of Republican overreach is Florida's State Representative Randy Fine's support for a bill to ban drag performances and erasure of the LGBTQ community if necessary. Like other clueless drag opponents, Fine absurdly believes that family-friendly drag shows sexualize children. The question is, why are there people in this world so determined to push this on children? Because if you weren't doing that, this bill wouldn't exist. And they're the ones that are saying this definition applies to them. Well, if it means erasing a community because you have to target children, then damn right we ought to do it. The bill advanced this week in the State Administration and Technology Appropriations Subcommittee does not specifically single out drag shows. Venues could lose their business licenses for allowing under-18s to attend any performance that depicts or simulates nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, specific sexual activities, lewd conduct, or the lewd exposure of prosthetic or imitation genitals or breasts. It breathes through the committee by a vote of 10 to 5 and is likely to be approved by both chambers of the Republican-dominated state legislature. Presidential nomination-hungry Governor Ron DeSantis will certainly sign it into law. This week, he signed a bill to ban virtually all abortions in his state. A federal judge already enjoined enforcement of a similar family-friendly drag show ban in Tennessee. He'll hear the full legal challenge to it at the end of May. Estonia's newly re-elected Prime Minister, Kaja Kalas, is vowing to make hers the first Central European country to enact marriage equality. Parliament approved a second term for Kalas this week, after her reform party formed a new coalition government with a few somewhat more progressive minority parties. In addition to achieving equal marriage rights as fast as possible, Kalas also announced increases in defense spending in response to neighboring Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, another Baltic nation is confronting the marriage issue. Three couples in Lithuania are suing their government for the legal recognition of their relationships, at least through civil unions. The Baltic Times reported that the Youth Tolerance Association is seeking the registration of a civil partnership, entry of a marriage concluded abroad into the civil register, and recognition and registration of a same-sex marriage in Lithuania. The country's constitutional court bypassed the constitution to grant a residence permit to the gay foreign spouse of a Lithuanian man based on their legal marriage abroad in 2019. Article 38 
says that marriage is based on the free mutual consent of man and woman. The lead lawyer in the current case is Ivaris Zilvinskas. He noted in an April 11th press release that the Lithuanian constitution also establishes the equality of all persons before the law and the right of all persons to a family. Hungarian citizens are encouraged to anonymously report same-gender couples that are raising children under a bill approved this week. The nation has waged war against LGBTQ people since far-right authoritarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban gained power in 2010. His government recently banned same-gender couples from adopting children based on the constitutional definition of marriage as between one man and one woman. It goes on to say, the mother is a woman, the father a man. The European Commission filed a lawsuit last year at the European Court of Justice to challenge the Central European countries' discriminatory anti-LGBTQ laws that also include banning so-called gay propaganda. Orban has already forfeited European Union funding for his anti-queer recalcitrance. Finally, a first-grade teacher in Wisconsin is now on administrative leave over planning for her class to sing the Miley Cyrus-Dolly Parton duet, Rainbowland. Waukesha Superintendent Jim Siebert silenced the performance for Higher Elementary School's annual spring concert, and teacher Melissa Temple is ostensibly being punished for decrying the ban in a March social media post. Several parents have vigorously defended Temple, who's in her fifth year at Higher. The Alliance for Education in Waukesha calls the dual-language 23-year veteran teacher an outstanding educator. They're turning up the heat on Siebert and a school board that has veered farther to the right after recent elections. Superintendent Siebert claimed the song could be deemed controversial. Living in a rainbow land, sky's blue and things are grand. parents group accuses school officials of blatant discrimination against LGBTQ staff and students and an increasing pattern of anti-queer bullying. They say the ensuing controversy has made headlines around the world, making the Milwaukee area suburb a national laughingstock. The local ABC TV affiliate WISN reports that students, parents, and other supporters gathered outside a school board meeting this week, defiantly singing Rainbowland. The attention has also boosted the original 2017 Cyrus Parton song to number 51 on U.S. iTunes charts, its highest ranking ever. That's News Wrap, Global Queer News with Attitude, for the week ending April 15, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world, an informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Alan Tihamo. Stay healthy. And I'm Elena Botkin-Levy. Stay safe. Later in the program, the whole team of my organization decided to stay in Ukraine. We did um, an amazing job.
honestly, starting from the first day of the full-scale invasion. But first... Florida politics are certainly going to hell. The Don't Say Gay State's House is advancing a new bill to enshrine anti-trans bathroom bigotry into law, and Republican Representative Webster Barnaby was bold about bringing his brimstone into the debate. Here's how he responded to the trans citizens who came to testify at his committee's hearings. To all the folks that are in the audience that consider themselves gender dysphoria, um, cis, I don't know what all that means. I really don't know what all that means. I'm, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies for Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth, where God created men, male, and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. Not on the fence. There is so much darkness in our world today. So much evil in our world today. And so many people who are afraid to address the evil, the dysphoria, the dysfunction. I'm not afraid to address the dysphoria or the dysfunction. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps who come and parade before us. That's right. I called you demons and imps who come and parade before us and pretend that you are part of this world. So I'm, I'm saying my righteous indignation is stirred. I am sick and tired of this. We, I'm not going to put up with it. You can test me and try to take me on, but I promise you I'll win every time. Let's all vote up on this bill. Thank you. Having let the imp out of the bag, Representative Barnaby apologized for calling trans people demons, but doubled down on his misinterpretation of who the evildoers in the X-Men movies really are. Meanwhile, the bill to base access to sex-segregated facilities on a person's gender assigned at birth passed the committee stage and will go to the full Florida House for consideration. Hallelujah. I'm Reverend Troy Perry. And this is Bishop Gene Robinson. And I'm listening to This Way Out. The international LGBTQ radio magazine. Listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter, email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. 
LGBTQI people are so visible, not only on the front line in the army, but also volunteering, doing all those heavy work to support everybody in Ukraine. Russians seeing open LGBTQI people as a threat to their regime. Last time on This Way Out, lesbian human rights activist and Time Woman of the Year Olena Shevchenko talked about Ukraine's LGBTQ community facing the Russian invasion. Her exclusive interview with This Way Out Sydney correspondent Barry McKay continues with questions about queer Ukrainians showing up as heroes under occupation. For those in the LGBTQI plus community who have stayed behind in unoccupied Ukraine, how have they been involved in the resistance effort? Mainly as a human rights activist, so humanitarian sphere, so many LGBTQI people are now involved in volunteer organizations, in human rights actions, humanitarian response and support. Well, honestly, I, I will be quite open about that. We, we did all the work instead of those humanitarian missions, international missions, uh, which uh, designed to do that, unfortunately. And that, this is another huge crisis of the international system, which just failed in Ukrainian case, but what I know now also, that they failed before in so many countries, and they didn't change anything in terms of their strategies, approach, policies, nothing changed. It's kind of bureaucracy, which were built to refuel itself. Have there been any issues with people denouncing LGBTQI plus activists within the unoccupied Ukraine area? You know, it is a very hard situation on unoccupied territories. Like the recent example with Kherson. It's a big city and people uh, lived seven months under occupation. And that was the occupation announced, and every day it's 700 bombing per day, heavy bombing, like people are dying every day on the streets. So it is not a shock anymore for people there. I also saw those things in Kiev and other cities, just people lying down on the streets, like they've been killed by bombing, and then uh, it is a new reality. So. It is very hard to say what is happening there and to analyze what is the situation, but I know that people are trying to survive. And in these conditions, they are so much together, like the solidarity is amazing. People unite the efforts on every single square meter trying to support each other. And I remember for, for myself that was a huge thing which I realized during the first three weeks in Kiev under bombing that even if you have money, you can't buy anything. So it is not the important thing. The important thing is your social connections, your friends, your relatives, your nearest close ones who can help if they have something and you can help them. So that's not about amounts of money or buying somebody or something. And this is need to be put in the center, you know, of the humanity. To what extent has the national emergency led to a greater acceptance of sexual diversity in the Ukraine? <laughs> it is hard to say now. In Ukraine, it is still then you're living just one endless day. 
starting from 24 February. It's hard to analyze what is happening, especially in terms of the involvement of international institutions. I can say that big human rights organizations, medium organizations, they became pretty useful. You know, after a few months of the war, they support us a lot. And the small groups of people from international communities, casual people, they just bring everything they can. But the huge humanitarian missions, they completely failed. So I don't expect that something will change, unfortunately. I thought so. Then I, you know, decided to talk to them about all those things Mm -hmm. and trying to put the important things, emphasizing the need to support the most vulnerable communities and to change their general approach to the war situations. But, you know, that's one year after the war, full-scale war started and nothing changed. So basically what you're saying is the whole community has pulled together, whether they're LGBTIQ, disabled, um, other issues? Yeah, mainly LGBTQI people, women, feminists, you know, all those grassroots movements, Mm -hmm. they realize that the general things and the threats and they are trying to build new alliances, new coalitions, and that's, that's the future. You've chosen to stay in the Ukraine. What has your personal experience been of the situation in Ukraine and how have you and your organization personally been involved in the national emergency? Yes, that was my personal choice from the first minutes of bombing, which I heard to stay in Ukraine, uh, because I realized that even in those circumstances, then I just felt also like I I just left behind, I still have more resources than many of those vulnerable communities have. I know many things, how it works, for instance. Yeah, I know many people abroad who might help in this situation. So I realized that, yes, we need to stay. And the whole team of my organization decided to stay in Ukraine. We did um, an amazing job honestly, starting from the first day of the full-scale invasion. We have shelters now, free shelters in different regions of Ukraine for LGBTQI people and women from vulnerable communities. We organized a huge new system of delivering humanitarian support, which we buy by ourselves because international missions works another way. We do every day 250 something packages so we cover each day more than 200 households uh, with the address support so they send from hands to hands and we also call them to ask how they are doing what what else we can do we send them hygiene medicines everything needed for babies we send many things for people with disabilities, for elderly people, mm-hmm. persons. We relocate people if needed. Mm-hmm. We also provide legal and psychological support 24-7. So it is the amazing work, and we involve so many volunteers in Ukraine. Just casual people came to us, no matter of sexuality or gender identity, just casual people came to our organization, open LGBTQ organization, saying, we want to help. And this is how the society works, by the way. Those people never heard anything about LGBTQI people. And now they are like the allies, the activists who want, after the finish of the war, came to the streets to demand equality. So again, you're pulling together in a big way the whole community behind the LGBTQI plus community. 
Yes, yes, because that's the main thing, to show people that vulnerable communities are different. That's not only about sexual orientation or gender identity. You need to consider so many things, because LGBT person can also be the person with disability or elderly person, or they can have a huge family where, for instance, they have nine children and an elderly mother who also don't have any access to resources. Have you had much practical support from the international community? No. <laughs> international community, human rights organizations, yes. So what happened, by the way? Before the war, we had funding from human rights organizations who do the human rights work as we did before the war. So those organizations stayed with us, helping us during this emergency. And they said, like, you can use those funds dedicated to human rights work for any needs you need, like humanitarian, for instance. But the opposite thing <laughs> happened. Then we came to international humanitarian missions, asking them just to give all those, you know, thousands of tons of different products which can s save lives now and here. And it was completely failure because they have another vision how it should be done. For instance, they want day track to go to some public square somewhere in the center of the capital, for instance, and people need to go there to take something in the huge queue, stay in 10 hours, you know. People can't reach those places. <laughs> they are staying at homes without any, you know, transportations. They can even go downstairs because they are not able to take so much stairs because they are elderly persons, people with disabilities, having the small children. So it is not working strategy. People are stuck in bunkers too, downstairs in basements. In basements and also upstairs because they don't have a possibility to go to the basement. Mm -hmm. Lifts doesn't work and nobody is taking care about them. They just lying down in their apartments, you know. Is there an element of homophobia in the failure of international community organizations to act in the way that you've described? I don't know. I just know that the needs of LGBTQI communities are not included there. They never take the stand or the time just to, for instance, just to consider our needs analysis. And they never did it before in so many countries like Afghanistan, Syria, different countries in Africa. So it seems like they're just not interested. I don't know if it's an element of homophobia or transphobia, but it's definitely blindness and unwillingness to be there for people. They're just working like, you know, seven hours per day and they are not motivated. Olena Shevchenko's LGBTQI human rights organization website is insight-ukraine.org. That's insight-ukraine.org. Her interview continues next time on This Way Out. This is a massive fight, honestly, geopolitical massive fight for the future of the world. We don't need to underestimate it. <laughs> I'm Barry Mackay.
Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by Alan Tiamo and Elena Bakin Levy and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our correspondent was Barry McKay. Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton, Mike Oldfield, The Rolling Stones, Pentatonix, and Steely Dan performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks listener donors James Kennedy and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. They help make this program possible, and so can you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on WWSX Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, 3ECB B Croydon, Victoria, KCMB Colorado Springs, Colorado, and some 200 local community and terrestrial internet stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all. <laughs>